Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager Podcast by Skiff Meetings, the podcast for curious event professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Neves and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings. And in this episode, titled Rethinking Event Accessibility, I'm delighted to be speaking with John Sage, President at Accessible Travel Solutions. In this episode, we focus on event accessibility. We talk about the many people that don't identify as disabled, the invisible disabilities. We talk about how most events get it wrong when they ask about accessibility challenges. We talk about the danger of making accessibility a checkbox exercise. And we talk about showcasing accessibility initiatives in detail. And we talk about the three pillars of accessibility. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast, which you can find on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Manager Podcast. I'm delighted to have John Sage, the president at Accessible Travel Solutions, joining me on the podcast today. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, John, um, I believe you, uh, we came into contact. We met you through, uh, I think, at MPI WEC. I think my colleague, Andrea Doyle, met you. I think she was maybe at one of your sessions uh, and heard you talk about accessibility uh, in the travel industry. Um, and for those who don't know who you are and what you do, could you take us through a little bit of a, a personal introduction of, of who you are, what you do? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a, a manual wheelchair user and I spent a lot of time in my twenties traveling in Europe as a hobby. And, uh, it was hugely time consuming to, to plan those trips and find out the accessibility details. And after each trip, I would tell myself, you know, now, now, you know, having been here, I would have done it differently. Um, but I know how to do it for somebody else. And so I planned, uh, started a company to plan trips for people with disabilities and that ended up, um, growing across Europe and the Caribbean and some other places. And we now um, have a second company where we sell to travel agents and we provide accessible shore excursions to the cruise lines and we help businesses and, and DMOs uh, succeed in, in accessible travel as well. So we do a variety of things uh, to make travel easier for people with disabilities. Thank you for sharing that. And and I think you you speak and you're connected with meetings and events in, in some ways. Um, how how does that connection work? Are you are you speaking a lot? Are you, are you keynoting? Are you doing workshops? How does that work on your end? So this is something our, our newest product that we launched is something called the Sage Accessibility Leadership Workshop. And so we actually meet with individual companies uh, and DMOs and those types of organizations to to really bring their senior leadership up to speed on the most important accessibility research and accessibility concepts uh, that are out there right now. Um, and so, and that's based on, you know, we've been doing products for a long time, tours and packages and things like that. But what I found through a lot of my discussions with executives um, is that 
they it's very difficult for a an able-bodied executive to really understand accessible travel and the mentality of the disabled traveler, not just the physical needs of door widths and bed heights, but actually the, their mentality um, and how to, to make them a customer, uh, you know, a, a loyal customer. And so that's something that we've been been working on is how to educate the very, very top people. Um, and so there has been some speaking, speaking engagements, also these individual workshops is really how we're trying to get the message out. So in your experience going to events, I mean, meetings and events are really our world. And in your experience of, of attending, participating, being there uh, physically, do you have some examples? And I don't need you to share company names or, or, or specific events, but do you have some examples of events that you know get it right? Uh, and maybe some examples of events that really don't get it right. Could you could you maybe give us a, a picture or kind of anecdotes of, of, of examples there so we could kind of uh, see it uh, through your eyes in some ways? Yes, I can. So so I'll say that the events that get it right, often it's just sort of luck is <laughs> really it's it's that they've they've been lucky and, and sort of accidentally chosen some really good locations because there's I have not seen event organizers that do a, a real proactive, comprehensive approach to, to location selection. I will say that in the last year, I've been to Saudi Arabia, London, Philippines, uh, San Juan, Toronto, Orlando, um, all four events. These are for travel conferences. And I have encountered accessibility challenges in all of them. Um, I mean, one of the conferences was an accessible travel conference. And there was significant accessible travel challenges there with the transportation they used. Um, the the accessible taxis were were not very good, and uh, you know the the setup for the the snacks was I couldn't reach a bunch of, of things, and th there was a variety of things. So so of the event space, uh, it, it's I I haven't seen. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity. Let me say it that way. Okay, well, let's let's talk through that because I I think that um, you know how do you let's talk venues first, right? Um, yep. You say that it's a bit of luck sometimes with the venues. I guess some venues are just better prepared. Um, how do we not make it luck? Is is there is there a way to do that? Like, could you take us maybe through through your view on on how that process can be improved? Yeah, what what, what I think the the process should be, I, I think early on in the event planning process, whether it's the RFP or or some some early component that accessibility should be taken into account when choosing locations and suppliers and and all these components that to come into the event. Um, I don't know that that's it's difficult, not just in events, but for any company in the travel industry, it's difficult to evaluate accessibility remotely. I mean, you can send somebody there to to look at accessibility, but they need to know what they're they're doing. They need to know what they're they're talking about. And often uh, in companies, there's not an accessibility expert, so it, it's a, it's a tall ask to do that. And that's why we're developing these these remote uh, accessibility assessment tools. Um, and so, but ultimately, how it would work is that the you know a a destination proposes some some locations and there's some type of of detailed accessibility description of each location that can factor in okay we're gonna I know there's multiple of course there's multiple factors in choosing a hotel or choosing a conference center uh, but accessibility 
I think has to be one of them. I mean, if, if st- sustainability is a factor, if, if DEI is a factor, then I would think accessibility needs to be a factor. It, it, but in terms of, you know, a lot of times conferences, venues are, are chosen years ahead sometimes, you know, I mean, and it's hard, I guess, to judge the different types of accessibility needs that, that will be required depending on, on who registers, et cetera. Are there standard or kind of guides or, or valuable ways to approach that so that you're, I guess, preempting some of that and kind of keeping it as, as open and as and as and as well positioned as possible? Yeah. So I, I guess one thing I'll say is that for a travel business that's planning a trip for a family, yeah, you don't really know what their needs are going to be and you might not address them until you find that out. But for an event that's going to have dozens or hundreds or thousands of, of people, there will be disabled people attending. I mean, there just is. It's 20% of the U.S. population has some type of disability. We're not just talking about wheelchair users. We're talking about people with low vision, talking about people with bad knees. Um, and so there's absolutely the, you know, the the drive to to make the event accessible regardless of of who who the attendees are just make it accessible up front in the grand scheme of things it's not going to cost you a whole lot if you if you do it uh efficiently um and so i i think that's what it is and i see that you know i was just at a conference in in toronto and you know just having captions on the the video screen um would have been a big help and requiring um the speakers to use the microphone even if it's in a small room that was in a different place in, in Galveston, but, but just some of these things just help in low vision, or I know that I, I just enjoy reading captions. If somebody has an accent, having the captions is, is helpful. And I, I don't have any, any real vision uh, issues. So I, I think it, yeah, I think it just, it needs to be comprehensive from the start. And is there a sort of ultimate list of everything that, that, needs to be done or or kind of does it depend on the venue how do you how do you kind of approach that yeah so so there are there are accessibility guidelines and requirements that exist so so there's the Americans with Disabilities Act deals with uh, a lot of physical uh, accessibility it doesn't deal with processes it doesn't deal with how to report that accessibility information and convey it to to disabled travelers uh, it doesn't include how to train people with disabilities. So it's not comprehensive um, in that regard to actually meet the needs of disabled travelers. But the Americans with Disabilities Act is is one place. There are accessible tourism guidelines uh, from an organization called ISO out of Geneva. Um, There are EU guidelines, there's UK, there's Canada, there's some of these are, are requirements as in laws, some of them are guidelines. There's a lot of information out there, and but that's part of the challenge is which of these, you know, which organization is going to sit down and read hundreds of pages of accessibility guidelines. Um, accessibility is complex. It's not. It's not. Oh, here's a one-page checklist. That's that's not going to do it. Unfortunately, I wish it were that easy, but uh, that, that's the challenge. There's a bunch of guidelines out there, but how do how do you actually implement and execute them is where the challenge comes in. It, it sounds like a lot of the things that you're mentioning are are just good practice, right? I, I think, uh, like you say, uh, somebody who's sight impaired or, or you know, needs a, a larger font, I think it's just good practice not to have signs with small print, right? It does feel like a lot of these things would help um, improve events as a whole anyway, 
because um, because I, I I think you also kind of alluded to this in, in some ways. You know, there's there's kind of like legal things that you have to do or, or legal requirements and regulations. But should we really be aiming to go beyond those um, in in most situations? I, I mean, absolutely. If if we're talking, you know, DEI is such a focus right now. Well, DEI is you know, what does the law say about DEI? It's kind of the the bare minimum. You have to you have to do a lot of things wrong to violate the law in in DEI, I would I would think. And so yeah, I think you're absolutely right that it's it's going beyond just what the legal requirements are to be welcoming for for all attendees and all participants. Um and there's a competitive advantage for businesses that sort of make that that leap. You can get in, you can attract um excellent qualified employees that that want to to be included and don't want to have a bunch of accessibility challenges while they're uh, at the workplace i think that's that's very valid so let's go back you know one of the things when we were organizing events that that we sort of default to rightly or wrongly is that we have a a kind of a checklist or a question at registration we say you know do you have any accessibility challenge or disabilities or anything like that um does that work? Uh, and, and how do, can we improve that if, if, if we can? Yeah. So, so I just filled one out for a conference I'm going to, to Riyadh. Uh, and, and I don't know how to necessarily answer that. I mean, I can put something, I can say, Hey, I'm a manual wheelchair user. I want to roll in shower. You know, there's a few things that I can put in there, but, but I don't know what the, the venue location looks like. So I can't answer that question in a comprehensive way. Um, in my case, I punted it back to the event organizer. I said, tell me, you want me to, to book a room in one of these three hotels? Give me all the accessibility information on those three hotels. I want to stay in the most accessible hotel. I think they're going to struggle to answer that, to answer which of these hotels is the most accessible. And that's what I want. I want the most accessible hotel. I don't want to just know how many accessible rooms there are in each hotel. Uh, and so that that's a challenge. I think it's for disabled travelers to communicate their all of their accessibility needs throughout their whole trip, you know, trip process is is a tall ask. I, I, and I don't know that you, I don't know that you'll ever get somebody to communicate all their needs in a way that the event organizer can can implement that. So I, I think to answer your question more specifically. I think the responsibility for accessibility should not be on the attendee. I think it should be on the event organizer relative to existing accessibility guidelines and laws. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of these, you know, these registration questions, um, are there ways to improve this? Should we be asking different questions or are there any kind of other industries or maybe airlines or something like that, that do it better that we could learn from? Is there, do you have any advice for that? Yeah, the, the airlines also, when you book airlines, it, it talks about your type of equipment and whether you have a manual wheelchair, electric wheelchair, and dry battery, wet battery for some safety reasons. Uh, it talks about can you uh, get yourself all the way to the gate? Do you need somebody to push you? Once you get to the gate, can you um, walk to your seat or do you need somebody to help you get into an aisle chair and they pull you to the, your seat? And so uh, there are some questions they ask there. Um, yeah, I think more specific questions would be helpful around, you know, mobility and uh, and hearing and vision and sensory cognitive and dyslexia and all, all these different things. I think that would be helpful to ask more questions 
Um, I'm trying to think. I, I I don't know if there's enough questions to ask. I think it would be it'd be a little tough. I, I do know. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that's nice. When I flew on American Airlines um, to to Warsaw uh, a, a few months ago, um, they called me in advance to ask about my accessibility needs. And while that's still there's still some challenges there, it certainly felt good. It felt it felt good to have somebody call, and if there was something that that I had a real concern about, that I could actually speak to a human rather than just type a request into a text box. And so I thought that was that was progress. That that sounds like like great service. In any case, um, mm-hmm. if you were consulting with a with a planning company, let's say somebody that's doing a, a big event, a trade show, or something like that. Um, where would you start? You know, what, what, what's your process to for kind of like helping them make an event more accessible? Is it the registration? Is it the venue choice? Or are there other kind of components that, that are really important for you to look at? Yeah, what, what I've seen with a lot of the, the travel businesses um, that I, where I've spoken to their executives, where it really starts is is acquiring accessibility expertise. Um, is is really it. And so that's whether that's training employees or workshops for senior leadership or master classes, it's really a, acquiring accessibility expertise because it's difficult for anyone to implement accessibility if they don't really have a, a, a lot of knowledge around it. So that's where I would start. Um, and then I think the venue choices are going to be key because if you choose the wrong venue, what ends up happening is you have to you have to perform a bunch of additional customer service work down the road that's going to be time consuming and you might not get it right. And um, it's just going to be difficult. And so choosing the right venue is going to save you a bunch of work in the, in the long run. And it's going to make for a better experience uh, for the, the attendees. So, it, but it's not just the physical venues. It's also how do you get between the venues? Um, it's, it's the accessibility information that is published about the venues so that a disabled attendee can know what they're getting into before they get there. Uh, and, and then training the training the staff that's actually going to be on site and, and serving the, the, the attendees to, to assist. And so, yeah, there's, there's a variety of, of components that I think that all sort of need to work together. And could you expand a little bit on, on this training side of things? I mean, we deal with a lot of um, a lot of event staff is very temporary. It, you know, they help out with registration, they help out with check-in, anything like that, and and just I don't know, checking rooms, that kind of thing. Relatively simple tasks. Um, what kind of level of training do people need, and and, and how do you approach that? Because you're kind of talking about you know, kind of understanding the different accessibility needs. And I imagine that takes a while, uh, especially for someone who's able body to kind of grasp that. Um, what does that look like in practice or, or I guess in an ideal world? Yeah. yeah. So, so the way that we think about accessible customer service training is really on three levels. So the most basic level is uh, training that is, is it's a general accessibility training. It, it talks about disability etiquette, it talks about the different types of disabilities and and what the the individual's needs might be, um, and so that's sort of the basic level. It's something that maybe somebody could dial into and take on demand. And there there are trainings out there. We obviously do that. Uh, then the next level up is where it's role specific. So in a hotel, the housekeeping staff should be trained a certain way, and the front desk ta- staff should be trained 
on on different items. So it's and then at a, at an event, it may be the the food and beverage people need to to be trained a, a certain way, and the check in. Um, the the people at check in need to know what questions to ask people with disabilities when they're they're checking in. Um, so the second level is role specific, and then the sort of the pinnacle level, the, the top level, is when it's location specific. Is when the accessibility has been evaluated of the location, and the staff are trained to to meet you know to assist with accessibility at that specific location. In a hotel, it may be okay. You know, there's there's three routes out to the hotel hotel pool, but only this one route is accessible. So you want to train your staff to direct people to this route, and they need to know that that the disabled person shouldn't have to go find the accessible route. That's that's one example. But but to actually so for a convention center, it may be you know where are the accessible bathrooms located? Um, you know where's the where should the accessible seating be located? Um, how do you assist people once they, they show up? Um, it, it could be very location specific. And I think that's really what, what should be aimed for. Yeah, that sounds like a, a very well uh, trained team, if you can kind of have all that information quite handy. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. Forgive me if this is a sensitive question, but are there any situations where those with accessibility may not want to answer those questions or feel like they're intrusive in some ways? Uh, and this could be either, you know, kind of on a registration form or also on site when you kind of have to tell people, you know, any issues that, that, that there might be. Yeah, absolutely. So, it, and there's been a bunch of research. If you ask everyone, you know, some huge group, it, you know, do you have a disability? A lot of people that technically have disabilities will will not say yes. They they, they don't self-identify as disabled. They say, oh, I just have a bad knee or I just have bad eyes. Well, that, that does, does count as having an accessibility need. And so, yes, if you're asking about disabilities, you won't necessarily get all the information you need. Um, there are also invisible disabilities. That's one of the phrases you used to describe as invisible disabilities. So that could be something like a, a heart condition that maybe somebody doesn't have endurance, They, but they can easily get in and out of the car. They can get up a few steps, but they can't walk long distances. And you can't, you can't tell that by looking at them. Um, so there's in, invisible disabilities that, that also um, come into play. Okay. And, and are there better ways to kind of try to understand or kind of gather if people have that have those needs um anything you can recommend there i mean one way is to let the the attendees look at the accessibility features in advance so that they can decide for themselves hey this is going to work for me it's or it's not and if it's not going to work for me do i want to say something about it do i want to ask questions do i want to ask them to change something and so providing that information in advance before they're actually on location is is a key way. I, I think the more transparency that you can provide, uh, the better it is for everyone so that, you you know, and, and as the event organizer, you don't want somebody showing up 
thinking it's going to be accessible for their needs and it's not. And now you've got to solve a, solve a problem on site immediately. That's, you know, you want to try to avoid that situation. So if I understand you're right, I think you're tr- the ideal situation would be that you say, hey, here's the venue, here are the rooms we're using, this is where we're serving food or, or kind of different things that go into the event. And you say, these are the things that we're actively doing to make this experience accessible. Let us know if you have any issues that we're not accommodating from it for. Is, is that sort of the ideal situation? Yeah, I, I think being transparent, um, you know, a lot of times accessibility is reported in bullet points of, hey, here's our accessibility features. If you look at a hotel website, you might see bullet points and there's 20 bullet points about their accessibility features. Often they're they're too vague to really be helpful. Um, it says accessible fitness center or, you know, accessible check-in desk. Well, what does that mean? What does accessible mean in, in that case? Um and so, you know, we say that accessibility information needs to have four components to really be effective. It needs to be uh, accurate. So it can't, you need somebody that sort of knows what they're doing, filling, filling it out. It needs to be detailed. So it needs to have measurements, things like door widths and bed heights and, and slopes of ramps and things like that. It needs to be clear. So it needs to have photos, particularly of accessible bathrooms at hotels. That's one of the big places that that disabled travelers have problems is in hotels, bathrooms, and then it needs to be comprehensive. So it, it needs to have um, all components of the the trip, you know, basically transportation, the accommodation, the, the location for, for the event, food and beverage, all, all those things. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I think that that's a really interesting uh, kind of easy way to understand it. Um, what about I don't know if there's a term for this, but we have greenwashing when it comes to sustainability and ecology. Is there accessibility washing in the sense where somebody does something and you know really boasts about it when it's it's kind of out of place? Is is that a thing, or or, or are we not there yet? I I don't think so. I, I think accessibility is not being talked about enough, r- really. Um, if you know the. the and this includes on the marketing side, I think is, is one place where the industry is really lacking. Cause I, it, it, you know, I asked people the question, when was the last time you saw some type of advertisement that says, Hey, we're accessible. Here's why we're accessible. Come book with us. You know, that we're talking about over a billion people with disabilities and that those types of ads don't exist for, for the most part that I've seen. Um, and so I, I think there's, there's a, a gap there. Um, what I have seen a lot of times accessibility can be a bit of a, a checkbox exercise where uh, an organization may say, Oh, well, we have, we, we provide some accessibility information and, you know, we do disability etiquette training. And so we're, we're good. Um, but it's, that's really not sufficient in order to gain the confidence of the, the disabled traveler to book. So the box has been checked, but you're, you know, the organization is not really seeing a return on their investment because they they didn't meet the minimum threshold to gain the the consumer's confidence. And so, yeah, it, it's it just came up a little short. The intentions were probably there, but it came up a little short. Yeah, I guess that that's sort of yeah, that, that that's sort of what I was what I was thinking. I, I guess it isn't really a, a big publicity stunt in many ways, but there is this checkboxing that isn't quite hitting the mark right you're just like you said when the when the descriptions are very vague like accessible rooms 
what does that mean, right? It's nice to have that on the website, but it may not actually solve the issues in practice. Mm -hmm. You talked about sort of, you know, barriers preventing the travel industry from kind of making more progress. And I include, you know, events and meetings and that. Where where do you see that? What are are those barriers or where, where do you see those? Well, I mentioned before, the expertise is one of the areas. Um, there's, you know, there's some misconceptions about com- accessibility. Some, some, some people will view it as a compliance issue. It's just about complying with the law. That's sort of a, a misconception. Um, it's, it's having the right resources in place, having somebody dedicated to work on accessibility um, or, or outsourcing that. That's another way that, that obviously that, that can work. Um those, I mean, that's really where, where to start is really to understand accessibility, I think is the, the biggest, uh, the most common barrier that I see across all the, the travel sectors. And that's part of the product range that, that you've developed, right? This way that you're helping from a consultation and a training perspective, yeah. that's, that's what you're doing, correct? Yeah, exactly. I think it's difficult to send an employee to an accessible travel conference and expect them to acquire enough accessibility expertise in two days to come back and implement an, an accessibility project. And so what we try to do is um, we've, you know, a lot of the information that we convey is from a bunch of research that's gone on a bunch of, um, you know, for years, for the last 20 years, but then a lot of uh, innovative concepts that we've developed through our conversations with travel businesses and working with disabled travelers for the last 12 years uh, and, and condensing that in a way that we can bring the, you know, the leadership up to speed enough where they can really understand the issues. And then we also have the, the manpower to help with the implementation. And so, you know, and these are ex- our employees are accessibility experts to, to actually help help execute. And what about at a, at a leadership level? Does any of your training or do you have specific programs where you can impact, you know, the C-level or the kind of senior people into understanding uh, those needs and then how accessibility really impacts their business? Yeah, absolutely. That that's And that's one of the things that I enjoy doing the most is really, uh, you know, some of these these leaders and, and executives are, are phenomenal leaders and uh, it's just a gap in, in their their knowledge base, and to, so, but they're, they're interested in it. They want to be inclusive. They want to to have customers from all dip, all demographics, including the disabled population. And so, to be able to to educate them um, is is rewarding, and they're they're interested in it. And uh, and that's you know to to talk to them about the disabled traveler, about the the enormous size of this market, but also to sort of frankly tell them you know, what you're currently doing isn't, isn't working to succeed in this space. Uh, and so to help them to understand that in a polite way and to, to let them um, prioritize making, making a little more progress in this area. It sounds like a very politically correct way of saying you're doing it wrong. <laughs> this is what you should be doing instead. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, we can maybe help with that. Um, I want to start wrapping up, but, you know, in terms of going back to kind of meetings, events, um, do you have any kind of vision of what you would like to see happen? You know, you talked about going to all these events all over the world and each of them had challenges. How would you ideally see kind of the events of the future, the meetings of the future kind of working so that they don't have these challenges? Yeah, so so my ideal scenario 
so I look at the whole travel industry and see, okay, how does, you know, the question I always ask is how does accessibility improve across the whole industry where I think meetings and events have a, a real opportunity to make a difference is to incorporate accessibility into the, their location selection process, their RFP process. Um, essentially meetings and events have buying power basically and, and can influence uh, other organizations in a way that, laws maybe can't. And so that's the same, you know, sort of like the OTAs, you know, they have enormous influence. And so I would love to see meetings and events incorporate accessibility in everything that they do say, Hey, if you really want to win, win our meeting and event, if you really want us to come to your location, we need to see what you're doing on accessibility. And if meetings and events organizers start to do that, locations will start to make, make a change, they'll start to, to really focus on this. So that's my ultimate goal. I would really love to, to see that happen. Um, but more specifically, it, it's, you know, before we get there, we have to, to figure out um, sort of what is needed. And so accessibility, the three pillars of accessible travel that, and this is in a, a bunch of research over the last 20 years, it's around being accessible, both in terms of physical accessibility and technological accessibility like websites that, that screen readers can read for, for blind people. And then the second one is on customer service, because if something's not accessible, uh, there's a customer service component that's necessary to help make it accessible. And the, the third is on the accessibility information being documented and conveyed and publicly available. And so those are the, the three items that are in all the research. There are some others that, that come into play, but those are sort of unanimously the the three components that are needed. Okay. And so sorry to ask this, but I, I think it's important. What do you say to an event organizer that, you know, understands that they're not doing enough, that the event is not accessible, but kind of says the vast majority of people coming to our event are able-bodied, do not have accessibility issues. So I'm going to make the choice not to go to the extra expense to, to do these things. Um, is there anything we could do to, to, to change that? Yeah. But first off, I, I normally don't hear that vocalized. <laughs> Most people don't, don't, don't actually <laughs> At least say not that. in those words, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I, I normally don't, don't hear that. I guess what I would, you know, one of the arguments I say is, okay, you know, are, are you working on sustainability? Where's your re immediate return on investment on that? You know, how is that, how is that resulting in more bookings? in the near term, or if you're working on DEI, where's your immediate return on investment on that? Um, so, it, you know, it's not just a, about an immediate return, but I, I would argue that with the disabled population is so underserved that you you will actually see additional bookings and, and additional customers. Uh, I would say that if there's a higher return on investment, in, in my opinion, in accessibility than there is on on some of the sustainability and DEI work, where that's a very long-term focus, uh, so so I think it's I think it's money very well spent, um, and a lot of it is not not terribly expensive. I mean, what does it cost to put captions on a video? That's not real expensive. There's a lot of computer programs that can do it automatically, and and so you know it's it's looking at that, and it's not to say that there needs to be a huge price tag. To, to make progress there, you know, mm -hmm. there are low hanging fruit that, that are a great place to, to start just in, in documenting accessibility. I love that. And in terms of, you know, not going into the, the greenwashing side of things, but if an organization does do 
good things and, and wants to talk about it and wants to you know, talk about the initiatives that they have in place. Are there kind of better ways to, to do that so that it doesn't sound out of place or kind of strange? What's a good way to communicate uh, the accessibility initiatives that, that you kind of put in place when it comes to meetings and events? Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a, a whole PR component of this too, is when accessibility is, is done right, you know, talk about it and, and publicize it and say, hey, whether it's a, a location to say, hey, we've we looked at at all the hotels near our convention center and and we evaluated them for accessibility and here's all the accessibility information on these hotels you know it's already done you don't have to do it on your own uh, i mean that that could be very attractive and you know we looked at our convention center and we have the transportation already lined up um and so to to use it as a selling point um whether it's a, a destination or if it's a meeting organizer and they're organizing something for a uh, a corporation say, Hey, you know, we understand that you probably have people with different accessibility needs in, in your business. Well, when you book with us, we're going to make sure that everyone's taken care of. And it's not a reactive approach. We've already done it. We already have the processes in place to, to make sure that they're taken care of. It's just part of our standard operating procedure. I think that's a, a really strong selling point to say, we're going to be inclusive for all of your uh, your employees, regardless of, of accessibility needs. So I, I, I think there's an opportunity there on the, the PR and marketing side. Absolutely. And it sounds like meetings and events can be a, a great um, testimonial in a way or a calling card for a destination that has done a, a good job um, in terms of accessibility, right? If, if an event talks about it, then I'm sure it also reflects in the business travel, but also the, the privates and the consumer travel. Yeah, absolutely. John, fascinating talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. I think this is an area that I have to admit I am not an expert by any means, and that's why it's good to talk to you and have people like you on the show. Uh, wanted to get the, your recommendation for somebody else to have as a guest on the podcast. Sure. Uh, yeah, I have, have a, a friend that I've known for a long time. Uh, his name's Ron Pettit, and he leads the accessibility efforts at Royal Caribbean, and he's extremely knowledgeable and uh, a great guy. He would be somebody worth uh, worth speaking to. Absolutely. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll get contact details and hopefully we can make that happen and continue these conversations around accessibility. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to, to speak with us. Uh, I hope you enjoyed your experience and I hope the listeners enjoyed uh, learning a little bit more about uh, accessibility with John Sage. Thank you All for right, your time. Thank you.